and welcome along to Wilson and Windsor's Libertadores podcast, a podcast in English exclusively dedicated to the most prestigious competition in South American club football. And today was a bit of a Christmas one-off special where we discussed the sole match played last night, which was Boca Juniors against Racing Boca, going through to the semi-finals, winning 2-0 on the night, 2-1 on aggregate. And we were treated, Mr. Oliver Wilson, in this podcast by something truly Christmassy and truly spectacular <laughs> from yourself. Uh, I, I couldn't top it. I couldn't top it during the pod. I couldn't top it. I don't think at any point it was absolutely stunning. So if you listen to nothing else in this pod, hang on because you are in for something really special. James, uh, Oliver James Wilson, I should say, that was a, a neat little podcast to tie up the quarterfinal stage of the Libertadores. Do you enjoy doing a single game pod more than the multi-game pod? Because it's kind of nice to get teeth into just like one game, 90 minutes, and really kind of assess it rather than like being feeling like we need to bounce around and kind of link everything to everything else and things like that. Uh, it's it's a great question. I remember that's a great that's a great football podcast question. I remember asking, obviously you know Oscar, don't you? Our yeah, colleague Oscar. Yeah. I remember asking him once if he preferred the lip mic or the headset and mic, and we spoke about it for like 45 minutes, and it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, do I prefer the single game pod? <laughs> um, no, I like I like the mishmash. Yeah, you wanna? Yeah, I, I like all the games. I like bouncing between them all. But this was a, this was certainly a, a necessity. I feel to keep with the consistency and and listen. You you back Boca at the start of the tournament in those heady days back in early March when we were recording outside in a busy pub. So, uh, Ollie, your prediction is standing firm. Look, if it ends up being a Boca v Palmeiras final the smugness radiating off me of Palmeiras, the team that I've seen and judged as, oh, they are probably the best side in the tournament and combined against Boca, the team I backed at the beginning of the tournament, the final podcast won't be worth You're allowed anybody one. being... You're allowed one, Oli. <laughs> you back Boca, that's fine. Stick with them. Don't be shortchanging yourself like you're all in on Boca. Right, ladies and gentlemen, have a beautiful Merry Christmas. We'll be back very soon, of course, but enjoy the pod. Redes to try and kill the tie off. The vital away goal in the first leg and the Libertadores group stage ceiling goal in the second. Back in and kept alive as well and rifles into the back of the net. Oh, that is just oh. exquisite. Fidel Martinez, you are sensational. Two nights before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse, because all through the land, fans in blue, yellow and white, were sat too tense to talk before the big fight. A team with a lead, but not rassing away, would come to the land where the young juniors play, the candy box empty and silence in stands, and silence before kickoff for those healing hands. But when these two legends squared off underway, only one of these icons truly came to play. Villa and Salvio given too much space, while Tevez moved deeper to his normal place. Becasese couldn't deal with the true number nine, the wide support defensively never on time. Three at the back looked all out of place, and no chance to use Dominguez's pace. Lopez up front, looking stranded alone, 
Melgarejo, once a hero, now made out of stone. Chances came for Boca from early till late. Gabriel Arias had too much on his plate. One save, two saves, three saves, four. But it seemed inevitable the home side would score. A Salvio header, so open and free. Racing's defence, all out at sea. Tevez and Villa forcing big stops. Their opposition now looking like total flops. With 30 to go, penal was the call. And Sebastian Villa was handed the ball. His goal from 12 yards, a blow to the heart. And Racing's game plan had fallen apart. No push, no rebuttal, no reply or a groan. For this dying beast, the towel had been thrown. So for the final four spot, it's Bocca's once more. And now we shall see what Santos have in store. But if the beast from Brazil is too easy to kill, we could be in for one final thrill. A late Christmas present, ho, 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 ho. And a chance for revenge against Gachado. I tell you what, I have never, ever felt more inadequate and less prepared for the start of a podcast. That was absolutely spectacular, my friend. I feel so stupid just having my iPad screen up and two notes saying, (laughs) literally, my notes for this podcast, Ollie, are Carlos Tevez, not enough credit, can they win it with Tevez, another question mark, and you produced that. Beautiful, Wilson. Um, I didn't know you had that kind of... uh, yeah, I didn't know you had that in you. I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna be completely honest. That was spectacular, my friend. <laughs> well, I've always been a bit of a freestyle rap uh, lyrical artist, a voice of a generation, you know. And so I just figured I'd put pen to paper and write down my lyrics and let the game do the talking. <laughs> well, we know, we know this podcast is niche, Ollie, because we know that there isn't, you know, certainly in Europe there is a bit more in North America that, that uh, you know, a couple of other podcast in English is quite niche. But I think you've just um, you cranked it up at a few hipster levels with that. That was that was truly spectacular. Yeah, that was yeah, that hipster is exactly how I described that to me. Well, I figured, look, it's it's Christmas Eve. We are taking time out of the festive season, albeit away from our families anyway, due to lockdown and tier four shenanigans and whatnot. But we're taking time. We've got to make put a festive spin on it somehow. So I figured a little kind of Christmas ditty that also ensures that we get in a, a Boca River final prediction as well has to finish <laughs> on that. So. <laughs> For those that had no idea what Mr. Oliver Wilson was talking about, he was, of course, <laughs> undeniably uh, in beautiful lyrical form describing Boca Juniors' victory over Racing in the quarterfinals of the 2020 Copa Libertadores last night, Ollie, which I confess I fell asleep too early to watch in its entirety. I watched the highlights today, but you had a few coffees. You stayed up and watched it. Ollie, from the highlights that I saw, and I watched a few different variants of the highlights, it just looked like real, real domination from Boca, and they thoroughly deserve to go through. It was one of the most disappointing performances from Racing in a big moment that you could have imagined. There there was no reply whatsoever when they conceded and there was no initial start to any sort of challenge it you know when we spoke on the last podcast and we and i, I think i said like the way palmeiras sat back against libertad in the first leg away from home regardless of whether there are fans or not it just seemed like a natural state for the for the side to be in and racing could do the same going to the bombonera and that's exactly what they did they just still looked afraid and intimidated by the moment and by playing on the road and so, Boca, 
kind of just got down to business, looked far more organised, far more solid. Uh, they brought in, brought in Franco Solano uh, last night to play as the number nine, and a lot of places have it down, really, as a 4-4-2 with he and Tevez up front. But it's not. Tevez sits just behind him as the kind of number 10, uh, has Villa and Salvio, and it's more that traditional European 4-2-3-1, if you will, with Soldano yep. as the front man. And it just opened up so much space. It allowed Tevez to be a bit more creative and a bit more as the link man rather than the finishing man. But even then, I mean, I mentioned in, in I mentioned in my Christmas carol, I don't know if you noticed, but the, <laughs> the lack of defensive wide support. Because Salvio and Villa got so much space down the sidelines and when Hara and uh, Fabra decided to push up and help out on the overlap as well. Because Dominguez and Mena, just couldn't get back and support a back three that didn't really know how to deal with three guys trying to cover Soldano and who pushes on to push higher up the pitch to cover Tevez. Like a 4-4-2 against that Boca side last night, in my opinion, would have been a far better choice and a better way of handling that. And and they didn't make a tactical adjustment. They, they stayed as it was. It didn't work. It wasn't working. And then they tried to play it out from the back for the 90 minutes and they couldn't do that either. They couldn't break down and win the battle in the heart of the pitch. And so when Boca started scoring, the only thing you thought was, or started creating chances, the only thing you thought was, is it going to be one of those nights where Gabriel Arias has like an incredible night, just keeps on beating away. He produced a magnificent save to deny Villa and Tevez, uh, tipped onto the post, tipped over the top of the crossbar. But once the first goal came, it was like, well, Boca will score another. It's just a matter of time how they do it. And, and, And yeah, I was... I was so let down by what Racing put out in front of us last night because it was, as you say, it was it was complete domination. The stats show it. Normally we'd say like, don't look at the numbers, but the numbers really do tell the story, and actually are quite kind to Racing in terms of possession because it makes it look like they had a foothold in the game, which they just never had. It's really interesting, Ollie, because Beckerstase received plenty of plaudits for his tactics in the first leg to kind of completely nullify Boca. And sometimes I wonder about coaches that go with the 3-5-2 and kind of stick with it no matter what because they feel like they've got some kind of tactical advantage. It sometimes it doesn't that you know they can't kind of revert back to it. And uh, yeah, that I mean from from everything I saw in the highlights, it was just complete domination from Boca Juniors on the night. And I one thing I wrote down is that. Soldano, let's be brutally frank, he's not a fantastic centre-forward at all. But Carlos Tevez by himself up there often does look really, really lonely. So from from, obviously you watch the full 90 minutes, just having that focal point of someone there and Carlos Tevez just having a little bit less of the perhaps physical uh, expectation to hold the ball up, that that does create a bit of a game-changer because Tevez, especially these days of 36 years of age, wants to drop into that little pocket. And when you've got the pace of um, Sebastian Vigia and Salvio uh, down the wings, it, it just works so much better for Carlos Tevez as an individual if he's got that figurehead, uh, whether it's Ramon Abila or Soldano up front. Uh, to put it into kind of um, uh, European football context, and, and you'll know this as a, as a Liverpool fan. Remember when Daniel Sturridge was banging in the goals for Liverpool just after Suarez showed up? Yeah. This is what Tevez does for number nines in his side in the same way what Suarez did for Sturridge in that. Sure. Sturridge didn't have to do much. He was the, the lead front man and he had just this tenacious pit bull running around, creating, kind of coming from deep, but also willing to come up and alongside and create problems as well coming off the centre forward. And that's what Tevez does when he's got somebody like Soldano as the front man. He can drop deep and create. He can cause problems almost at will wherever he wants to because he knows he's got a figure point that he can either use as, a, as almost as a dummy to take the pressure off him 
or he can use to get involved in the game and feed and provide service to. And this was the best thing that they did with Tevez arriving a little later at times and, and getting on the pullbacks from Salvio and Villa rather than being the focus. Because Carlos Tevez has never been an out-and-out centre-forward in his career or, or been successful at it. Mm. He's always ha been better when he's got somebody who is a true number nine playing just in front of him. And and it kind of seems weird that it's taken this long for Russo to, to do that again in this tournament because I know Tevez is the key and, and Tevez obviously has still the, the, the storybook moment from the end of last season in the league of scoring the goal that gets him the league title over River and stuff. But if you're going to get the best out of him, you have to put somebody in front of him. And that's exactly what happened last night. And it just changed the way that Boca attacked completely. And they looked a far more dangerous side than when they do when it's just Carlos Tevez up front. Do you think that Salvio and Vigia are, are slightly underrated, both individually and as a kind of, I'm not going to say collective unit because obviously on, on opposing flanks, but do you know what I mean? As, as a kind of, as a two-pronged attack on either flank. Do you think in, in some ways maybe, I mean, I've, I always bang on about Eduardo Salvi. I think he's, he's European quality. He's still European quality. I, I'm actually surprised he came to the continent at this stage in his career. I think he probably had a couple of years left in Europe. But yeah, do, do you think those two players are perhaps underrated? By I us or, or just generally? I think Villa maybe, except that it's Salvio, rapid, you can it? argue, is the is the dual threat because he creates and he's been scoring goals. Whereas you know last night in the was Villa's first goal in the Libertadores um, in in this year, and he has been wasteful and was wasteful throughout the night in front of goal as well. I mean, he had uh, he had, he and Soldano, both players that have been struggling for scoring form both in the in the opening half an hour or so, wasted a number of chances apiece. And I was almost surprised that it was Villa that ended up taking the penalty. I just assumed it would yeah. inevitably be Carlos Tevez stepping up to, to take it. Um, I, I think Sebastian Villa probably benefits from the fact that defences have to shift and probably cover Salvio's side a little more, which gives him a lot of space. But it's also difficult to take into account off, off last night's 90 minutes, at least how threatening these two are, because... As I say, in the wide positions, Racing played such a high line that they could break into into space and have support on the overlap and inside with Tevez coming late as well. Racing just didn't know where they were getting hit from. So to use that as a benchmark for either of these two players is a little difficult. On the tournament overall, without a doubt, Salvio is one of the better players in the Libertadores this year. Mm. Maybe one of the players that would, when we were talking about Flamengo as you know a great powerhouse, he could probably get into that Flamengo side, I reckon, mm. as uh, on the opposite flank um, to uh, Bruno Enrique. But I don't think Sebastian Villa would at this point in his career. I guess what maybe I was trying to say is that back in March, Holly, um, you tipped Boca to win it. And, and perhaps as the tournament goes a little bit deeper and the podcast gain even sharper focus, we'll uh, take a few extracts from... Windsor grilling Wilson. No, we don't have to. As the, no, no, no. I'm more than Abidals. <laughs> it paints you in a beautiful light the further Boca go into the tournament. But you were, I was um, maybe quite bullish about, you know, just interrogating you as to why you were so confident about Boca. And you said back in March that you were confident because you felt that the defensive structure was there and it just needed a couple of tweaks going forwards to really... I'm not going to say transform this team because we're both very aware of the limitations that Boca have and, and, and in terms of overall quality in the tournament this year. I don't think it's a great selection of Libertadores sides. But you said that, yeah, Boca just needed a couple of tweaks and then if they could just get that 
cutting instinct going forwards to to complement what they had going on defensively, then they could be a real threat. And certainly with Salvio and Vizia and, and Carlos Tevez in good form. By the way, from the highlights I saw, he was unlucky not to score. He had loads of loads of um, you know, loads of attempts on goal. So yeah, is that is what you're seeing now and what you saw against Racing, is that what you were kind of referring to back in March? I think I think last night is what it it's a case of like that is what it could be mm. of when you play Tevez in his natural position as the the string puller, he's got uh, Capazano and uh, and Gonzalez behind him as very capable. Gonzalez certainly capable as a a link man himself, but both far more defensively minded than Carlos Tevez is, which provides him with some nice support. Doesn't have the pressure of being the front man, and you do have two players that can provide good service from from either side. It does open things up. I mean, the fact that both players take set pieces as well just highlights what uh, Russo believes in the ability to provide service from both those two wide men. Yeah, it's 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 hard. It, I mean, last night is a great is a great argument for my case that Boca are a side that can win this tournament because they weren't tested defensively. They mopped up everything defensively and showed that organisation and structure and smothered so brilliantly Racing's attempts to try and get forward. They haven't won it uh, yet, you know. I know, I know. <laughs> and, and to be honest, we'll we'll dive into this when we do a, a semi-final kind of preview sure, properly sure. and things like that. But like, I, I would be fearful of Boca against Palmeiras, but I would put Boca up against anybody else left in the tournament. Yeah, yeah, I know we are going to um, kind of hold back, Ollie, on, on semi-final predictions and full analysis because we're going to get stuck into that maybe next week or the week after before the semi-finals take place. But it's so hard just just to get, just to just to quickly just map it out. So, of course, it is Boca against Santos over two legs for a place in the final in the Maracanã and River Palmeiras the other side. And this Santos side, you know, I, I do feel like the most impressive performance in the knockout stages from any side has been Santos's 4-1 defeat of Gremio in the second leg. But it's still not a great Santos side. They're eighth in the Brazilian standing. So Boca have, you know, they're Boca juniors. They've really got to fancy themselves to, to be playing at the Maracanã on January 30th. So to, to look at the two teams that are going into this semi-final and compare their impressive second leg performances, Boca is more impressive to me because I still feel that Santos were handed a lot against Gremio, whereas Boca took this game from Racing for large parts of it. You think Boca's performance last night was better than Santos beating Gremio 4-1, a Gremio side that won it as recently as 2017, whereas Racing last won it back when TV was black and white? I think if you're looking at it, of Santos were given opportunities, whereas Boca made their own chances. So Santos were great at capitalising on Gremio's gaping errors, whereas Boca made it almost impossible for Racing to get involved in this game. I think what was I think last night though, what was the most disappointing thing? You know when you get to like ten, fifteen minutes to go, a side is trailing, they know one goal will get them through. Mm. And you and you see that like let's just lump it forward and things like that. And uh, and Peter Coates, Peter Coates on the on the com said it perfectly when there was a set piece and uh, RS gives it short. It's then launched in towards the top of the 18-yard box. There's two Racing players offside. And you could hear the groan from Pete as he was just like, oh, yeah, okay. like you've got a last chance saloon situation here. And you're offside at the initial ball into the box. It, it just shows a complete lack of knowledge of reading the moment and how to play that moment. 
And and that is something as well that Boca have in their back pocket. They are, as a team, used to being in those situations. With Boca, you would believe they could pull themselves out of something at the last minute. With a side like Racing, I'm not sure you would. And I'm not sure you would with Santos either. Like, you wonder, you wonder if Santos against Gremio, if they hadn't scored after 11 seconds. Like, that's a completely different game. Sure. You know, Jean-Pierre has his, has his yeah, complete yeah. foul up. Gabriel Brass, similar. Uh, uh, and Co Jorge's in. And suddenly, like, Gremio, like, oh, shell-shocked. And, and, and kind of rocked to the core a little bit inside the opening, six, uh, opening 15 seconds of a game. Mm. So I, I just I just wonder if Santos were the great capitalizers while Boca were the great creators. Yeah, in their semi, in yeah, the that's, that's really interesting. So you know, Boca Santos one semi, River Palmeiras the other semi. Um, I mean, no, it, 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 it it it's on, but <laughs> it but it is, to. but it is, it's it's on. I mean, Boca have got to be favourites in that tie against Santos. I don't think River are favourites against Palmeiras, but my God. You know, Garcia will fancy it, and I can't believe it could be another Boca River final. Wow! Um, but yeah, Ollie, we're gonna we're gonna do a full preview, aren't we, of the semi-finals um, with uh, insight from fans from the four clubs, and yeah, it's gonna be something to really get our teeth into. Yeah, I think there's uh, some extensive research to be done over the Christmas. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm going to be doing some prep on Christmas Day for the semi-final preview pod, obviously. I usually read in the Paraguayan press around that time of the year anyway. So Yeah, I mean, it tends to go quiet, to be honest, at this time of year. It's disappointing. If you really, if you really want some real juicy stories, the uh, Panamanian press <laughs> is where it's at this time of year. <laughs> As always, thank you so much for listening to Wilson and Windsor's Libertadores podcast. Listen, guys, it is now the semi-finals of the grandest competition in South American club football, and there are plenty of podcasts to come. So please do get in touch with us on Twitter with all your questions, compliments, musings, and uh, whatever you fancy, really. Uh, Oliver Wilson, O underscore J underscore Wilson, and myself, a bit of a shy tweeter, but DMs are open nonetheless, at David T. Windsor, at David T. Windsor. Okay, guys, there is a semi-final podcast preview coming up in round about a week's time. So have a lovely Christmas, and we'll see you for that one. Enjoy the podcast.